game is over when the horn sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 chance. McDavid. Pass to the middle. It'll get to Nugent Hopkins. Has to take it to the right wing, to the blue line. Bouchard over to Akhomo. Shoots! Scores! Tipped in front of the net by Zach Hyman. That thing was going wide until Hyman tipped it. And the Oilers have a 4-3 lead. A very deft deflection by Zach Hyman. His 33rd goal of the year is his fifth game winner of the season as the Oilers beat the Arizona Coyotes 6-3 this afternoon. Arizona led it 3-2 after two, but the Oilers came through with three goals in a span of 2-0-3 in the third period. Kane, then Hyman, and then Kane again. Warren Fogle put it away with a late empty netter. Dreisaitl and Yanmark had first period goals for the Oilers. Stuart Skinner is your winning goalkeeper with 22 saves. The Oilers are now 33-18-1 on the season. The Coyotes just fallen apart after being pretty competitive until New Year's. They're 0-9-1 in their last 10 games, and they have just four wins in their last 20. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you've had a great family day or are having a great family day. Five minutes before five, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, it was... A mundane, I guess is the word I'll use, opening 40 minutes for the Edmonton Oilers, but they pretty much just overwhelmed Arizona in the third period. Well, Arizona's not a very good hockey club. Their record says that. That's, uh, I believe they set a record for longest losing streak today in the history of the franchise. So uh, the Oilers kept it close because Arizona's not that good. And in the third period, when the Oilers finally turned it on, the Arizona Coyotes had absolutely zero matchability. Back to Mullet Arena. Here's Oilers head coach Chris Nobb. Three goals in less than three minutes for your group in the third period there to be able to mount that comeback. What can you say about the response that they had? Yeah, we came out ready to play in the third period. Um, you can tell that you're playing a, a young, fragile team, obviously, on a, winning, or on a losing streak and feeling very tight. And, and I think with our group, we just took advantage of it. And, um, you know, I thought we were, level of urgency was a little bit higher in the third period, and it paid off. What did you like about seeing Ryan McLeod alongside Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane with that little bit of line switch-ups? Well, Ryan's played so well with um, Leon, um, you know, through the month of January, being on the left side and before it was Fogel. Um, but I think a lot of it is not only having the confidence of making plays, but also having the speed to break up plays and get in on the forward check to recover the puck and does a lot of those little things really well. And, um, you know, it paid off uh, tonight. First time at Mullet Arena. What can you say about the atmosphere here? Um, it's exciting. It's a smaller marina. It's, you know, it's like NHL caliber, just miniature sized, a little bit smaller. But I think it was a great, um, great atmosphere. What was it like uh, for your team now to win back to back games as you've sort of been going a little bit back and forth, but to put maybe the start of a streak together? Yeah, we talked about that, how we didn't have back to back wins uh, for about three weeks. And well, one of those weeks was uh, all star break, but 
um, yeah, good teams are able to put together long streaks, and good teams also don't put uh, long losing streaks together. So, you know, obviously getting back to back feels good, and we just want to obviously build on that. When you are uh, making line changes, you don't make a lot, but it seems like when you do, because you don't do it often, it seems more important. Are you thinking about that kind of through the course of the game, or you come in in the second intermission with your coaching staff and say, okay, let's let's do this, or we should do this? Usually you're thinking about what's worked in the past and who's playing well at that moment. And and it's good for the coach to be prepared, but also it's not a good sign if the coach is too prepared and has a backup lineup and you want to, um, you know, I don't want to get in the habit of changing things up, but I think the way after the second period, we got outplayed in the second period. We're slow to pucks. They really carried the play in the second period. And um, we just need a little something to change things up. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. By an airport? <laughs> like, are the interviews by a runway? I, I don't know. I know the arena's small. Well, Knobloch with the start to his career at the Edmonton Oilers. He's got a private jet. The, the rest of the team's going to the airport. His jet just pulled up, obviously. That was well, kind of funny, though. He is 30 and 9 now as the Oilers head coach. That was Chris Knobloch at the mic for Eclipse Restoration, name one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit Eclipse 24-7. So the Oilers figured it out today. And, and again, Rob, it, it was, uh, I mean, the Oilers weren't great in the first period. I don't know if Arizona was either. Uh, Edmonton mm-hmm. got out of it with a 2-1, 2-1 lead. Um, but another bad second period by Edmonton. It didn't cost them the game tonight. But, man, oh, man, they were outworked, outchanced, uh, pretty much out everything in that second period. Well, the part that would bother the coaching staff was they were outworked. And it was all over the ice. Uh, they were getting their pockets picked. They weren't getting pucks in deep defensively. They were misreading. And every 50-50 battle went Arizona's way. So it was not good. Uh, the Oilers were fortunate. It was Arizona, a team that, uh, as you saw, was very fragile in the third period. They came out hoping to win a game. Arizona did. They didn't come out trying to win the game in the third. And the Oilers took advantage of it. But the one thing the Oilers can do is they're capable of coming back. They've got guys that can put the puck in the net. And whereas teams like Arizona need five, six, seven good chances to score a goal, the Oilers don't. And the Oilers started putting pucks on net. Uh, they started testing a goaltender in his first NHL start. Uh, the goal that uh, Evander Kane scored from distance, that probably doesn't go in most nights against most goaltenders. But it was an inexperienced goalie in net, didn't play it as well as he should. And all of a sudden, the Oilers are coming. There were some nice goals. The Hyman tip, that oh. was really smart play by Ekholm. He threw that, that puck. If Hyman misses the, the puck with the tip, that misses the net by three feet. You shoot, Ekholm is shooting for a stick. He's not shooting the puck on net. And that one, the goalie has no chance. I mean, the goalie's looking, okay, that puck's going way wide, and it went in the opposite side of the net. Great play by Hyman. Uh, The Oilers' skill level just took over in the third period, and their skill level uh, in the third brought some work ethic. And all of a sudden, Arizona was just stuck in their own zone most of the period. So speaking of that second period, I set the line at three and a half for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. Total goals in the period. Well, Arizona did their part. They did. The Oilers didn't get any. So it was two total. Brent took the under. So he gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Knobloch was asked about his first experience coaching in Mullet Arena or (laughs) perhaps the Edmonton downtown community arena i guess that's not as big as mullet arena it'd be close thing i could or it's all it would be almost like having a game at claire drake well it's 
Claire Drake would be a little over half the size of mullet. But I mean, and then, but anyway, it's that, that aside, the the size is one thing. You heard the crowd mm-hmm. in the third period. I mean, we can't say it sounded like an Oilers home game because a few thousand fans won't sound like eighteen thousand. But man, oh man, like Knobloch must have been thinking. Wait a minute, am I supposed to have last change? Like, everybody's cheering for us here. Yeah, no, it's embarrassing for the National Hockey League that they're playing in this arena. Uh, I understand if... If it was a one-off one year, said, okay, our, our rink's almost built. Okay, we're going to play here for a year. You know, the NHL play, players say, okay, we'll, we'll survive for a year. But it, it's this is year two, and there's no building. There's no land even bought to start a building. So they're not even close to, to have it. And you've seen now the NHL Players Association has spoken out against it. Uh, I, I would imagine you'd have a hard time getting free agents to go there. I mean, most players' contracts last three years. Well, they could sign with Arizona and never play in an NHL rink. So it's, I do not understand why the NHL keeps pushing for Arizona to be in the National Hockey League. I've gone to games in Arizona and the other rinks where uh, for $20 got you a ticket, a hot dog, a beer, and parking. And the only people... And you were lower down. And yeah, you were lower down. And the only people in the, the, the stadium were Canadians down to watch, to, to cheer for the Oilers. So when, the, when the, the Arizona Coyotes were good, they weren't getting good fan support. And now they're not good. So, no, it's uh, the NHL has made a mistake on this one. And I know Bob talked about it before the game. Now the National Hockey League, other owners are like, okay, seriously, we're keeping this franchise alive. Why? And uh, it's kind of neat as a college atmosphere, but that would be f- kind of fun for an opposing team to come in once a year. Right. But it's not for the home team to play 41 games in an arena where the other team has more fans. It, it is just... There's no home ice advantage, and it would be it would be a downer. Arizona, when they're on the ice, and they're having a really good game. Through 40 minutes, they were the better team. They had a 3-2 lead. Third period, Edmonton scores the place erupts. You're like, okay, seriously, we're playing this great team. It's 3-3 in the third period, and the entire barn is cheering for the opposition. That would be demoralizing. Well... Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I mean, I know it's a lot of... And I hate to be that kind of like... Oh, well, we're Canadians, so we understand hockey or, or you know, we know how the fans should act. But it, it is it is frustrating to see an arena of that size, a franchise that has struggled for that long mm-hmm. to have a building and and a strong, like a large fan base. Like, there are fans. There I mean, are well, fans in Arizona, not yes. Being, well, there's no fans. There are fans. But, then, yeah, I mean, I can think of... I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough games. I don't know if every road team would have a fan advantage, but probably the seven Canadian teams. Yep. Probably Chicago. Probably Detroit. Maybe the Rangers, depending on the travel. Boston. Maybe. Uh, or any Boston, of the California teams. Vegas, maybe. So Depen- yeah. Like, depending. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it's. it's uh, but you could really tell. Good for the Oilers fans. <laughs> Making yeah. all that noise. Well, it's funny. There will be players that come to, to Arizona that have played in front of bigger crowds in junior. There'll be players that have come from college teams that have played from bigger crowds. Dylan Gunther has played for bigger in front of bigger crowds playing for the Oil Kings. Oh, yeah. So so all of a sudden you, you make it to the NHL and you go into this rink and it's like, hey, seriously, this is a step down. So it's not right, and I don't understand what the NHL is doing with it because it's, uh, uh, it's not as though once we get the new rink, everything is going to be good. Because they've had rinks there before that did not have fans. So uh, I, I hope the experiment after, what has it been? How long have they been there? 20 years? 25 years? How long has Arizona uh, had a team? When did they go? 96, I think. So they left Winnipeg. It was 96 or So 97. that's 24. 
It's 28 years they've been there, and they've never had success as a franchise, fan base wise. So it's, I, I don't know. I come on. 96. Gar- they went. Yeah, Gary Bettman, pull the pin. Get the. There are other places that will support an NHL team with an arena that actually seats. Well, enough and that's people. why the relocation talk is has really heated up. That aside, uh, the home team, the Coyotes. I mean, they ha- they played well through 40 minutes. Now, they, the, a tough back to back for them because they were. Not necessarily in terms of travel, but, and this is, I found this out a few years ago, it's actually a rule. Their game started yesterday at 4 o'clock. Obviously, there are back-to-back games in the NHL all the time. It's often same time zone, or one, or, you know, so 7 and 7, but this is kind of different, American holiday, so it's an afternoon game. Uh, So they played at 4 o'clock in Colorado, 2 o'clock today. There's a rule that there has to be 22 hours between opening face-offs. I learned that. I think it might have been John Shannon that filled me in on that a few well, years ago. So they, it was the shortest possible time of uh, of a back-to-back. So I don't know if that factored into the, the third period. But they like they worked really hard the second period. Bukestad sniped a couple nice goals. Oh, fantastic. And, and all the, the, the people out there that are saying right now, see, that's the guy we need. Why right. do we get rid of him? Uh, the Oilers did not believe they could afford him before the season. I've gotten a couple texts sitting here watching the game say, hey, what are the chances that we get Bukestad again? I would think probably zero, but he is a big right-handed centerman that uh, the Oilers certainly would wish to have on their third or fourth line right now. Um, I don't I don't think the, the start time affected the Arizona Coyotes. I think before the game you talked about it, it was a team that leaks chances against. It's a team that's got very little confidence. And even the coach of the opposition, Chris Knobloch, talked about it. He said, we went into the third period knowing that if we push the pace, this is a team that's got a very fragile mentality right now. They've been struggling. So that would have been talked about in the restroom. Come on, guys, first five minutes, push. Because if we push, this team does not know how to win. Uh, And I think that is the biggest reason that they won. The Oilers did, and why the Arizona Coyotes couldn't push back in the third period. They simply aren't good enough. And uh, they got some nice players, but it's not a team that's built on good defense. And when you got a one nothing or one goal lead going against the Oilers, you're going to have to be a good defensive team. The Coyotes are not that. And their goaltender today was starting his first NHL game and a kind of a connection to Stuart Skinner because they were both taken in the 2017 draft and very close together. Matt Villalta went 72nd overall. He was drafted by the Kings at the time. Skinner went 78th overall. Like I said off the top, Skinner 22 saves for the win. Villalta 20 saves, so he'll take the loss. The empty net once again could not make a save. Uh, I, I don't even know how to judge the, the young man's work. I think that the, the one goal by Kane would be one that he would want back. Um, the other ones, there's a few tips. Uh, nice, the goal that Leon drives. It's funny, this kid came up from the minors, and in the first minute and a half, he's got Leon coming in by himself, short side, top shelf. He's probably thinking, okay, they don't do that down in the AHL. I got nobody that can do that <laughs> in the AHL. Uh, he, he was fine. Uh, in this game, Skinner had a much quieter night. It was a little more low event, as the, especially in the third period for him. And, I mean, it's a game you're never going to forget. It's your first one in the National Hockey League. You faced the best players in the world. 
he will get better. I hope he, he gets another chance. But again, it's another thing. Arizona, not only are they not a good defensive team, they have a goaltender having a great year, Connor Ingram. He's injured. So now they've got the, the fact that their goaltender that could have backstopped them in the third period was unavailable. And he got this young, inexperienced kid trying to do it. And they just ran out of juice in the third period. And the Edmonton Oilers were the better team, and the better team won. So the Oilers take it 6-3. That means the Japanese Village goal light is on on 630Ched.com. You can head there and print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, now open for lunch at Edmonton South and West Edmonton Mall. An afternoon celebration for the census. Visit jvedmonton.ca. We turn that light on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. And they get there uh, thanks to a big third period tonight. They got four goals in the third period to win at 6-3, which has been one of the uh, actually storylines going back, well, since what, just before Christmas? that they've been good in the third period, which mm-hmm. helps. Now they've needed it uh, with some of the second periods <laughs> a well, little bit later on, but it, they, they have had some really good third periods. They have. They, they've got they, – the Oilers have a good team, and when they push, uh, when you play a team, especially when you play against a team that's not completely confident in their game, the Oilers get chances, and when, when the Oilers get chances, they more than often put them in the net. So uh, it is a nice thing to have in your the back of your mind when you get into a playoff series that at any time in – in a, in a series, if you find yourself behind going into the third period, you can remember, you know what? We're okay. We've been here before, and we found success before. So this is another little bit of confidence the others have going forward. All right. You can get in touch at 780-496-0063. That is the hotline powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. We'll also have a uh, post-game reaction from Evander Kane and Ryan McLeod. We'll go to the phone lines right now. We have Brian standing by. Brian, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead, please. Hey guys, uh, well, we won, pulled another one out. Uh, I don't know if the uh, plan of attack of uh, keep it close in the first, uh, not chop for the second, and win it in the third is uh, going to win a Stanley Cup, but hey, it's working so far. But um, main thing that I'd like to ask you guys uh, your opinion on is uh, in regards to like with Arizona and relocation and things like that. What do you think the odds are of ever uh, of there ever being another Canadian team? I mean, Quebec's got an NHL size arena, Hamilton's got an NHL size arena, uh, and yet they keep talking about Atlanta, which has already had two strikes against it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Houston, you know. I you know I don't understand why they don't look at these. Uh, Quebec had solid crowds, and there was a good rivalry between them and Montreal. Yeah, the the odds are, man. That that's a good question. I I think what are we at now? Thirty two. Yep. I think the league would probably have to get to at least thirty six or even thirty eight for there to be a team in Quebec. Personally, Salt Lake City's talked about. Houston's a pretty large city that doesn't have a team, and they've all, they've had hockey there for years too in the minors. Um, Kansas City comes up. Yeah, I, sometimes I, like Portland is even coming up right now. That that's not a big place. I I get the whole Quebec City thing. I it just seems like the focus would be other large American, not just people markets but tv markets yeah but i agree that it should be i'd I'd love to see another canadian team and we've we've had john shannon talk and he talks about how a lot of the 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 viewership and a lot of the income revenue 
comes from the Canadian teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand how Toronto doesn't have two teams. Now, that would be something... That's an interesting discussion. Because uh, Toronto certainly would be able to uh, support two teams. You know, New York's got three, and we're bigger hockey fans up here. Um, so, to me, I, I I played when Quebec was in the league. I love going to Quebec. The players love Quebec. It is fantastic. The rivalry they had with Montreal, 100%. I just... I, I, for some reason, again, Gary Bettman, every always usually no knows when he says, "Yeah, another team in Quebec." Yeah, no, no, don't see that happening. But uh, I don't know. Arizona, to me, they've got to make a move there. That is just—it's a franchise that's never had success. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I don't even know if Quebec would be if they got the thirty-six. You might have to go to. Th- 38 or 40. Uh, no, honestly, I'd go, I'd go a second Toronto the, the team The second before. Toronto one, or, or say Hamilton, for example. Isn't it? And I remember, uh, well, my buddy Jay, Jay Onright used to say this to me, but this was about 20 years ago he would make this argument, that he, he would say there should be a second team in Toronto because it's it's a big city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hockey-mad city. But he, he also said, him included, because he's from Athabasca, mm-hmm. <laughs> he said a lot of people in Toronto didn't grow up in Toronto and they actually hate the Leafs. So if there was another if you put a, if you put another team there they were just okay, I'm going to adopt that team as my that's <laughs> my I don't know if that would still be the case. Having said that there's a, like an 80 year waiting list to get tickets to the Maple Leaf season tickets so it's not going to affect that yeah. much. There certainly could be another team in Toronto. 100% there could. Um, cuz what is what's Toronto's population? I mean, Alberta's got two. Well, the GTA was what you would count, right? Yeah, because Alberta's got two teams, and and our population is what, four million in Alberta, if that. I don't even know what it is right now. The GTA, according to the latest on Wikipedia, is is like six point two million from twenty twenty one. Okay, and what's so that goes all the way from Burlington, okay, all the way tight. around to like uh, like up past Whitby. Okay, put in what is the uh, Alberta population? I because think, I think we're, aren't we over five million now? I it'd be I don't know. We don't have a whole lot of people uh, here. Oh no, it isn't. It's uh, four point. So so the, we two, the twenty twenty three estimate was four point seven. So we've got two teams with two million people less than Toronto. So I'm pretty sure Toronto could support two teams. Just got an email from Carl inside sports at six thirty dot com. How about a team in Saskatoon or somewhere in Saskatchewan? It would never happen. No. I don't think Carl's so. probably mad at us, but the, I, I know the Blues were on the verge of kind, of, kind of on the verge Threatening of moving to go to, there. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I mean the 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 argument against Quebec City is that at about five hundred thousand, it'd be too small. Are Saskatoon and Regina even at two fifty yet? I don't think they are. Oh, and what's what's the whole of Saskatchewan population? It's not very big. Yeah. But uh, to me... If there's it, any, like, people who are Coyotes fans listening right now, they're really offended by this discussion. No, I mean, <laughs> I love I love going to Arizona and watching well, hockey Saskatoon's games. up to 266, but, yeah. Uh, to me, t- the easiest... It, Toronto would be the easiest. There's more than enough people there to support two hockey teams. Again, Alberta has two hockey teams, and we've got two million But they're plus not less. actually in the same center, no. though, or potentially sharing a rink. I mean, they'd use the same rink. It'd be a Lakers-Clippers situation. Well, they didn't have to be, because they talked before about building one out in Mississauga, an arena out there. Well, the, the, the Blackberry guy was going to build one by Kitchener, wasn't he? Yeah, then, the Predators? then he ran into some problems, the Blackberry guy. I watched the movie. 
Well, did they mention the Predators in it? I, I didn't actually. But I think move. didn't the league get mad at him because he was kind of talking about moving the team before he actually had the team. <laughs> <laughs> Bettman wouldn't like that. No, no. But yeah, it's, it's just to me there should not be an NHL team playing in an arena that has under five thousand people in it. And the like you said, unless it's I mean we've seen we've seen NFL teams go to a, a college stadium for a year or two while every yeah, but their college, but the college teams, teams are massive though. They have fifty to yeah. hundred thousand people too. So it's not like it's a drastic. There's a lot of college stadiums are bigger than the NFL stadiums. This is a, a, a franchise that, again, we don't even know when they're moving out of this arena. Like it's not even close. So, well, the, that's the thing. How long does, was it, Shannon or Craig Morgan, that said that on the Faceoff show? How how once you have the land, how long does it take to build a rink? Like three to five years? Yep. And you don't have the land. I mean, they're not. They they don't have approval. Like it's it, it's a mess that's been going on for a long, long time. But they're not asking for your and I opinions, unfortunately. No, they aren't, Rob. <laughs> We're offering them. They're just not asking for no, them. I'm looking up the population of Regina. Uh, 226. Yeah, Saskatoon's bigger. So that's a half a billion people in the two biggest cities in Saskatchewan. It, Saskatchewan, unfortunately, will never get one. Although I do have a feeling that if Saskatchewan got a team, they would support it well. Yeah, but you'd need a, that's a lot of percentage of the population to buy all of season tickets. Or, all of them or, or are going to have to go to every game. <laughs> all right. Uh, the Oilers win 6-3. That is a $600 donation, courtesy James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. To 630 Chet Sounds Anonymous, James H. Brown giving 100 bucks every time the Oilers score. As uh, Kane got a couple in the third, he's up to 21 on the season. Hyman got his 33rd. Fogle got his 11th in the first period. Dreisaitl is 27th. Yanmark is second of the year, first one since November 28th. Bugstad had two for the Coyotes, both really good shots. And Keller, uh, pardon me, not Keller. Yes, it was Keller, pardon me, that got the power play gold. Power play update for Conlon Motorsports. They'll help get you out there. Visit one of Conlon Motorsports' four locations across Alberta or online, conlonmotorsports.ca. So uh, both teams one for two on the power play. Um, Again, Oilers give up yet another, well... They've given, up, they've given up two in a lot recently, but they uh, two power play goals against in a lot of games recently. Just one today, but again, just 50% on the PK. Yeah, the PK was, and uh, Arizona moved it around well. They actually moved it around well in the second power play. Uh, I think they should have pulled their goaltender on the, for the entire second power play goal. You or opportunity when you're down two goals late in the game and you have generated nothing. But yeah, the Oilers' penalty killing, again, is... Uh, it went. It was so, so, so good and such a big part of their winning streak, and it has gotten so cold. And again, they're going to have to make. So, they're going to have to tinker with it a little bit. Teams are finding things that you can do against it. There was a lot of cross box passes, uh, and when those ones go back and forth, that's where the goaltender uh, loses his his uh, stance. He, he yeah. loses his angles, and, and on the goal that. Keller scored. I mean, Skinner was looking straight up the ice. Keller had a big chunk of the net to shoot at because the puck was moving so quickly. So, yes, the Oilers' penalty killing is going to have to get a lot better as they're going to start playing some better hockey clubs that will take full advantage of a poor penalty killing unit. Lines got moved around again, and now we're seeing this because the team isn't playing as well as they were mm-hmm. during the long winning streak. So the the big line, if we call it that, of Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Hyman was back together. McLeod, Leon, and Kane were together, and they had a good period. Uh, Fogel, Holloway, and Perry were 
together probably start the next game that way uh, well the, the thing that we uh, that I've noticed in the last little while with the Oilers last four or five games even the games they won the Oilers only offense was coming from Connor and Leon playing together and and Bob said afterwards when I, I talked about they've given up three straight and seven he goes yeah but they're four and three in those games yeah the Oilers don't want to be a four and three hockey club and with some of those games against poor teams they want to be a team that goes five one and one or five and two and they got to be better defensively and the Oilers uh, weren't great defensively they're giving up three a game and they're getting all their offense from Connor and Leon for them to be a good playoff team Connor and Leon have to be on separate lines uh, tonight in the third period they did that and all of a sudden two lines created off offense both the McDavid line and the Leon line and that's what they need going forward Vander Kane with two goals was the first star former oiler Nick Bukestad with two goals the second star Evan Bouchard was picked as the third star tonight as he chipped in with three assists Rob and I give out a fourth star for Jandell Holmes Alberta's premier modular home retailer I'm gonna go with Leon Drysettle one goal three points plus one 70 percent in the face-off circle a good night and probably the prettiest of the goals for the Edmonton Oilers tonight Leon had a good night all right let's go to seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have Chris standing by hi Chris go ahead hey Reed hey Rob how are you guys doing today quite well uh well you know funny how the game plays out I guess so you know first period was fine second was yeah, pretty <laughs> ugly, and then the fourth, you kind of come back, and you know, part, it, it's funny, even despite the second period just kind of being very iffy, I, I don't know, maybe just me, I wasn't really panicking that much, like, there's people, I saw people definitely stressing out way too much of the, oh, we're here we go again, kind of thing, but, you know, you can never quit the team out, and I tell you, quite as three points, I feel like I saw from Bouchard today, which was uh, not a bad thing, it's, uh, funny how he kind of just snuck three assists in and you think oh wow he had uh, uh already again just continuing his point streak and still looking really good um i was actually going to ask you guys because i know you guys were talking a bit about the uh coyotes and relo- the, the relocation stuff you know it's still it's still a fascinating conversation because i i agree i think that there's could easily be a second toronto team uh not from Toronto, but I would definitely uh, root for that team over the Leafs. That's just <laughs> my personal take. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Quebec City definitely could have it. The team back, I think the biggest thing has always just been, like, I think the sponsorship part. Like, cause there's never been a question about, like, whether the fans can uh, fill the building. Like, you could have it sold out every time, but I think it's just, you know, I think just the corporate sponsorship side is a big thing that would... Uh, hold it back unfortunately and you know what I think uh, as well the, with uh, I think Gary looking at the league about it wouldn't shock me if there's going to be 30 teams just in the US by the time we get that in the next you know right. I don't know how long the time frame would be but that's how I see it going but uh, I just wanted to give my thoughts on that but yeah, well, you guys have a good have a family day yeah, yeah you too Chris a good, good call and, he, and I'm glad he brought that up because Rob and I were kind of focused on population, attendance, passion for hockey. But, yeah, how much is, you know, a, a billboard in a ring mm-hmm. or the, the LED ribbon, you know, the, where the, the ads flash? How much is your uh, – how much you get for an ad on the scoreboard? How much are your regional TV rights? But isn't right? that – All that kind of thing. I think, I think that when, when you've interviewed um, Gary Bettman, when I've heard him talk, I think that's the biggest thing he talks about Quebec 
is the corporate money. Is there enough corporate money in Quebec City to be able to support a franchise? I mean, these these franchises, some of them, I mean, they're upwards of a billion dollars now. Right. And to run them, you need some, some good capital. Uh, I I don't know. I know the gentleman just said 30 teams in the states. I don't think we're ever going to get there because now you're uh, the league would have to be 38, yeah, 38 teams. 30, I, I just yeah. don't know if there's 30 cities in the states that could support hockey. I I don't know. Well, but I mean, I would have thought that I, I wouldn't have thought at 32 we'd be talking about 33 or 34 so soon potentially because again there could be a relocation. Not an expansion. I think I th- well, I think it'll be reloc- relocation. I've I played in Salt Lake City. They they used to be in the minors when I played there. It was a it was a fun town to go to. Um, they had a nice rink then. I don't know. I don't remember there being a huge fan support for the team down there when I played there, as opposed to some other cities in the the minors that I played in. But it's they it just the, the biggest thing is and. The Players Association talked out about it. It's enough's enough with these NHL players playing in a 5,000-seat arena with no no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. There's got to be a decision made soon. couple games going on right now in the first period. Chicago and Carolina scoreless. Senators and Lightning scoreless. Updating the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Golden Knights beat the Sharks 4-0. Minnesota beat Vancouver 10-7. It was 5-2 Vancouver late in the second period. The Wild win at 10-7. Monaghan has a hat trick for the Jets, but they lose 6-3 to Calgary. The Wings beat the Tentacles 4-3 in overtime. Maple Leafs knock off the Blues 4-2. Bruins over the Stars 4-3 in a shootout. And Anaheim wins 4-3 in Buffalo. The Oil Kings today losing 9-7 to Medicine Hat at Rogers Place. Okay. We're going to get to uh, more of your phone calls. I know we got a couple of people on hold. Just hang on there until after the news. You'll also hear from Evander Kane and Ryan McLeod. The Oilers pull it out with four goals in the third period, their 33rd win of the season, 6-3 over the Arizona Coyotes, who are winless in 10. You're listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 Chan. Right wing to McBain, into the slot, Moser waiting, shooting, and that one hit DRNA. And it'll go to Fogel on the right side, he'll get it out. That was some block by Vincent DRNA. Unselfish play by DRNA. Zucker in on the right wing. Will shoot. Glove save made by Skinner. He holds on. All right. Well, we get a save of the game and a block of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. I often say about Vinny DeHarnay, he just eats pucks. <laughs> well, uh, Louis DeBrusque was funny on the telecast tonight when he said that Vinny DeHarnay would not be very good in dodgeball. That was a good one. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, DeHarnay just credited with the one block tonight. Darnell Nurse uh, led the Oilers with four blocked shots. Team had 17. Arizona blocked 11. The uh, hit leader for the Oilers tonight off the NHL stat sheet was Vinny with three. Uh, Lawson Krause credited with six hits for the Coyotes. Oilers win the game 6-3. Kane scored twice. He's up to 21. And Zach Hyman got his 33rd. That turned out to be the game winner. All right. We'll go back to the Certainty hotline. We have Zach standing by. Hello, Zach. Go ahead. Hi, guys. I uh, just wanted to comment on a little bit on um, 
the uh, franchise valuations that were published by the uh, Forbes magazine in December. Oh, sure. Which uh, right, ranked the Oilers at uh, seventh overall at $1.85 billion, which is a 45% annual increase over uh, the previous season. So uh, little old Edmonton, you know, has a, has a franchise worth more than Philadelphia, Washington, New York Islanders, New Jersey. Vancouver, Tampa Bay, I mean, Detroit, it goes on and on. Uh, and if you look at the valuation, according to Forbes, a big portion of that valuation is based not on uh, corporate sponsorship per se, but on the stadium value or the right. stadium deal, yep. which is uh, $4.91 million. So basically, the Oilers stadium deal is worth about the equivalent of the Phoenix Coyotes. Right. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'm just looking at that article now, and that's a, that's a good point. The uh, just, I just found the article. Forbes valuation are enterprise values, equity minus plus net debt, and include the economics of each team's current arena deal, but not the value of the real estate itself. So, yeah. However, the arena deal works out for each individual franchise could affect because that's. I think Forbes is also doing it, okay, if somebody were to buy the team, right? So if somebody could say, okay, well, this is a bigger city, but they're paying this much per year for a mortgage or, or whatever for the arena, while another city might have, you know, be paying a dollar or nothing or whatever, that's that would have a factor as well. But no, that's a, that's a good call there from Zach. It is. Uh, now, does that all evaluation have and the benefit of all the Oilers have with their arena and all that have something to do with having Connor McDavid as part of their franchise? I, th- I would think that that has helped the <laughs> value of the team. I would believe so too. And Philadelphia and New Jersey and all those teams that are behind them, they don't have Connor McDavid. So Connor McDavid has brought a lot of money into this market here in Edmonton. Yeah, they got it. Yeah, this is I definitely get somebody who knows this better than me on here. But it says so. The brand value is three hundred and seven million. Yeah, and the stadium value four hundred ninety one. Market value eight eighty nine. So, so the brand, the brand would be. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers, yeah. I would think. So there's a huge advantage that the Edmonton has. Yeah. The, uh, these numbers are, are really interesting. Yep, they are. How it works and stuff. And we need someone much smarter than the two of us to explain well, them to us. Zach helped. He did, yes. Zach helped. I <laughs> appreciate that phone call for sure, because I hadn't referred to that article, which I think is an important one to remember, too. All right. we. Uh, oh, Commander Kane had a couple of goals. Here he is. Evander, three goals in less than three minutes for your team in the third period to mount that comeback. What can you say about the energy that you guys came with? Yeah, I think um, you know we were a little slow in the second period. Um, spent a little bit too much time in our own end, and uh, in order to win this hockey game, we knew we had to come out and, and play in their end. I thought we did a great job of um, getting on top of them a little quicker and being a little bit more connected on our forecheck, and it led us to some scoring opportunities. That goes along with the key theme for this group of you always figure out how to respond, whether it's game by game or period to period. What can you say about the way that you guys have figured out how to respond? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, when, when things aren't going our way or we don't have our, our best uh, best game going, um, just staying composed and not panicking and knowing if, uh, you know, we hang around long enough and, and get our game uh, in order, we can, we can pull it out. And uh, that was a good example of uh, doing that this afternoon. The lines looked a little bit different heading into the third period. Is that nice as a player to be able to kind of have that fresh look? 
Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously the first two periods, there wasn't a ton of offense created. Uh, you know, we had the one goal uh, on the power play there and then just the one even strength goal. And, you know, we've both of the, the line switch-ups, uh, we've both units have played together uh, for long stretches during the season. So it was uh, nothing really new for us, but uh, obviously gave us a bit of a spark and, and paid off. What can you say about the atmosphere here at Mullet Arena? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, the... I don't know if I've maybe played here three or four times, but uh, you know the the oil fans travel well, and uh, you know it was great uh, great to see him supporting us uh, tonight. Andrew Kane uh, gets a couple of goals. One he fired in with a delayed penalty coming to Arizona, and then he's in front of the net, and uh, Ryan McLeod shot goes in off of Andrew Kane. That one made it 5-3. Hyman got the game winner in between that. Sir Robert is on the Certainty Dot line as well. Sir Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? Quite well. Well, I want to touch a little bit on this, this uh, whole uh, Arizona Coyotes deal thing, whatever it is we're talking about here. I Look, I don't... I mean... I mean, like, there's been, like, let's just face it, zero success there in the 28 years they've been there. I'm, to me, I see it as that, you know, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't worked to this point. So uh, I don't see that there's going to be a going to be a sudden drastic change that's going to suddenly make it work. So to me, there's got to be there's got to be a move there. That team, that team's got to get out of there. That's just the way I see it. Where you move them, Salt Lake City, Houston, Kansas City wherever I just to me I don't see it working there um that's my point on that and then uh look uh, I mean like I mean like obviously as far as the game goes I mean obviously the second period we I, I mean like the second period we can talk all day about that the Oilers were bad and that you know and that they were lucky that it's Arizona and I agree they were because you know that's right right I mean like that's anything near the top that game is probably over mm-hmm. but but I mean obviously at the same time it's uh, it was nice to see in the third the way they just came out and just uh, you know took over um, obviously a good win I think uh, obviously uh, on Wednesday against Boston that's going to be that's going to be a, a much tougher test and a game in which the Oilers are going to have to be good for 60 minutes not just 20 Um I don't know, and I just want to briefly touch on the uh, touch on the goaltending. Uh-huh. Uh, Skinner, I think he's. Uh, I think like he's looked. I don't want to say he's looked overworked, but I mean like he's like he's kind of maybe looked like he's maybe starting to play a bit too much. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I don't know. I mean like do you do, you re- do they really want to take the chance of? Going into the playoffs with him and Pickard, I know Pickard's seven and two and good on him, but you know, I just uh, to me, I I see it as you know, you, you may have to you may have to look outside the organization. I just I don't know. That's well, I think I yeah, thanks, Sir Robert. I mean, the homestand coming up, um, I would think Pickard will probably play twice, probably Friday against Minnesota, and then maybe. How many games are on the homestand? Five, five and eight days. Wednesday, yeah, I would say Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, and then they have, a, ba- the most, they have yeah. a back-to-back the following weekend. Yeah, I mean they still might add a goalie. I think the fact that Pickard has been winning 
add the fact why it's it. I mean, yep. I, there hasn't been even the the. the the Oilers have lost three of their last seven games. They didn't lose any on bad goaltending. I mean, well, actually, they didn't allow six goals against the Blues. Well, actually, and Picker didn't lose any of them. And Picker didn't lose any of them. Good point. <laughs> so, but, you uh, know, they, they, did, they didn't have lousy goaltending. I, I, it's, it's interesting. The trade deadline's coming up. Rob and I have talked a lot about just adding a defenseman for security, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then I think we have seen that the Oilers could use a forward or two because I think... You know, if Gagne, as much as he's beloved, I think if he's in your every night lineup in the postseason, that's not I, great. I, I believe the Oilers, the team that they have right today, is good enough to win the Stanley Cup. But there are about five or six other teams out there that, with the team they have today, are also good enough to win the Stanley Cup. Here's where the teams get in, the Oilers get into trouble if there are any injuries to the Edmonton Oilers. Right. I don't think they have the depth that is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Where if you look around the league, Vegas right now, they, they just went through a stretch where they're missing five of their best players, including Jack Eichel and Theodore on the back end. So that'd be two of their best players, uh, one of their best forwards, one of their best defensemen. They're still finding ways to win. So they've got good depth. LA has good depth. They just went almost the whole season without Arvidsson. Uh, Colorado has played number of games without Key defense, McCarr's been out. Sherrard was in uh, assistance, hockey, uh, NHL assistance. That uh, Nicolition was in NHL assistance. So they, and they're still finding ways to win. So all these teams have good depth. I think for the Oilers, they're capable of winning a Stanley Cup with this team, but they're a couple injuries away from putting themselves in big trouble. Having AHL guys coming yeah, up. Yeah, AHL guys that haven't ha- even had a look at the National Hockey League level right now. So I think that the Oilers need to find depth up front and certainly on the back end. Because right now, I don't know if Philip Broberg is capable of being a good contributing player in the playoffs. And the reason I say that is we have not seen him in the National Hockey League in quite a while. So I think I would want an experienced defenseman, preferably someone that's had nice runs in the National Hockey League playoffs, someone that you can fit in there and you don't lose a whole lot. I think if Philip Broberg goes in for a nurse or an Ekholm, it is a big drop-off in skill level, but also in veteran uh, experience. So that's where I would look for the others. I don't know if getting another goaltender is on their radar. They've got Pickard, who has been played well. He's won six straight. They've got Campbell, who's playing better in the minors. they got Rodriguez having an outstanding season in the minors. I just think there's other areas that the Oilers need that are more important right now than a backup goaltender who may not even play a game come playoff time. 6-3, the Oilers win in Arizona. We have Derek standing by. Derek, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, hey, I just wanted to touch base here and just say... Uh, my opinion is we should trade Connor Brown to a team that has the salary cap space to pay him out this year so it doesn't count against our overage bonus for next year. I, I, I don't know if they, they can they do that. I, I, honestly, I, I don't think they can do that. No, I don't know, and maybe you know better than us, but I, I, I don't think you can do that. You can trade away a guy's bonus. The way I, I understand it is that it counts against it. next year's cap. Yeah, I think I don't think the Oilers have any choice in that one. I think that's one they're eating no matter what. I can yeah. see why you're did, saying did it. You, did you read anything else on that, Derek? 
Well, that's just the way that, that, that I understood. I just understood the Oilers have to pay him next year because they don't have the salary cap space to pay him this year. And um, but I'm it, not 100% sure either, but I do think it'd be awfully interesting to look into it to know for sure, right? Well, that, yeah, I think they would certainly have looked into it, especially with the way things have gone. I I don't think, because to me, that would be just like a bonus if a guy scores 50 goals and he gets a bonus, or if a guy has a, a game's play, well, because it is a game's play bonus. So I don't think how you can trade away a guy's bonus, because that bonus was for playing 10 yeah, games. Yeah, it carries over next year. Yeah. So maybe you could trade it and but, get a team to re- but no, but you're retain trading, ahead of time. No, but, I, I but you're not trading salary. Right now you're trading a bonus that he got for games played. So that means if Connor McDavid had a bonus yeah. for 40 goals this year and he gets it, okay, we're going to trade that $1 million bonus to Arizona. Yeah. I don't think anyway, you can do it. But Derek, we'll, up, we'll about to find out if you could trade a guy and part of the deal could be that the other team pays his bonus for next year. But Sorry, we cut you off. Keep going. No, no, that's all right. That, that was kind of my main thought because it, it crossed my mind. Then I was like, you know what? I would love to know that for sure, right? Um, and then also the other thing was just, uh, do you guys think they're going to buy out Jack Campbell? Because w- obviously what they're doing right now, they can't keep doing it forever and just leaving him in the, the minors for his whole contract. They, what do you guys think how that's going to play out? I think if that's they can't question. trade him, that yes, they will buy him out. I do believe that. I think they're they would love to be able to trade the whole contract away. They may ha- they're going to have to sweeten it up and give something with Campbell for you to take it. But I do think that would be their choice. I just don't know if the if a team is going to want to do that. But yes, uh, he will not be here next year. I do not believe, and I do not believe his contract will be here other than what they buy him out of. Yeah, that's a you, tough you, you look at what, he, what they've accomplished without him in the lineup, I mean, and you think, hey, what, what could they do with another four or five mil off the books, right? Like, it's quite impressive what they have done. We talk about the Kings not having Arverson, uh, Arvidsson all season and, and how deep they are and what they've accomplished, but it's like, what could we do with another four or five mil off the books using it in a better way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how much would the how much would they have to eat, though? That's the only thing. Uh, is, it, is it better than buying them out too, right? If you're if you're going to retain some money and give up assets, is it better just to buy them out and you know you know what I mean? Not not have to give up those assets if you're still going to have money against the books. Because if they bought him out in the off season, his cap hit would vary between one point one and two point six, but then it goes for six years, not three. So, and why you, would it vary so much? What's the difference? There's some kind of a. I, I don't. I don't know how to explain how it's calculated, Derek. But because the buyout is over double the length of the contract, right? Yeah. And then they calculate it. They they spread it over the years a little differently. So like the cap hit next year would be one point one, and then in the third year it'd be two point six, and the final three years it'd be one point five. Uh, and also his base salary is different every year. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that that makes sense. Okay, so it's gotcha. something to do with that and and anything, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's going to be really unfortunate that they are no. going to have that for Connor Brown and possibly, yeah, a Campbell buyout or a retention or something, for sure. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. All right, yeah, no, hundred percent. All right. Well, hey, I won't. I won't keep you long. I'll just, just one more quick question for you, if I may. Um, if they send down Pickard in the playoffs for whatever reason and bring Campbell up, I know there's no salary cap then. Um, can he still get claimed on waivers in the playoffs, or is that just a regular season thing? What was that question again? Sorry, I think that's just 
the regular season, but I don't think they would bother sending him down in the postseason. Who's that? Ken, no, I, uh, I don't Pickard. either. Pickard. I don't either. I was, I was just curious. Okay, but thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Love the show. I listen all the time. So yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, no. Once the trade deadline comes, then guys can go up or down. You don't. There's no waivers anymore. All right. We will uh, get to Ryan McLeod. Oilers win 6-3 in Arizona. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on the official voice of your Edmonton Oilers. 6-30 chance. To dry side. He's up the right side. Goes to the right wing corner. Into the slot. McLeod. He'll shoot. Scott! Ryan McLeod snaps it home from the slot. And the Oilers are up 5-3. They said maybe Kane deflected the puck. Okay. Yeah, they gave that one to Kane. Oilers win 6-3 on the road against the Coyotes. I just messaged someone who I trust in these matters to Derek's question. Could the Oilers trade Connor Brown and have that other team take his bonus as onto their cap penalty for next season. And the reply I got is, there's been conflicting info on that, but the most likely is no. Wherever Brown earns the bonus is stuck with it. Montreal has Monaghan's bonus that he hit there before the trade. So it's unlikely the Oilers could trade Connor Brown and somehow get that cap penalty go on to another team for next year. So hopefully that helps a little bit. All right, here's Ryan McLeod. Ryan, your team comes up with three goals in less than three minutes in the third period to mount that comeback. What can you say about the energy that you guys came with? Uh, yeah, the uh, you know first two didn't really go our way. I think we had a, a pretty good start to the game, and then we kind of took our foot off the gas. But um, you know, we came into the third, we played uh, you know simple brand, and, and you know that's when we have success. And you know we, uh, we we got a couple of goals, and that was huge. And we just kind of rolled the rest of the period. We saw a new look in the lines yourself coming up to the second line alongside Leon Draisaitl and Evander Kane. How much did you enjoy that opportunity? It's great. It's always so fun playing with those two. Uh, um, you know, they're so big and strong, and they get you to puck in great areas. So just trying to use my speed and get open, and, uh, you know, lucky to get a couple. You, you drew that penalty that leads to Kane's snipe, and just what did you make of your third period there and how you, overall your team just kind of battled back in this one? Yeah, it was good. Uh, like I said, I think just we went back to playing simple and, uh, you know, playing playing faster, just kind of standing around watching the play all, all night. And uh, in the third, we kind of, you know, started playing our toes a bit more, and it paid off for us. How much did you enjoy the energy at Mullet Arena? Plenty of Oilers fans around. Yeah, it was great. It was actually uh, super rowdy in here. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fans in the hallways yelling. So it was a great experience, my first one. So it was, uh, it was, it was really fun. That's Ryan McLeod. Helps the Oilers beat the Arizona Coyotes 6-3. Oilers were down 3-2 after two. Got three goals in two minutes and three seconds. Then Fogle added an empty netter as they get the victory. Our next game broadcast presented by the Butcher Shop at Friesen Brothers is Wednesday night. The Oilers host the Boston Bruins. It'll be Oilers now at 5. The face-off show at 6.30 and the game will start at 8. Big thanks to Angie Quinnell doing great work as our studio producer this afternoon. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. 6-3 win, Edmonton over Arizona.